0: Then there's all these little places where these arbitrages exist. And, you know, I I start to think about those and I wonder, is that worth it? Now, I'll tell you why I don't think it's worth it. It's tempting to do for me for one reason, which is there's a sick pleasure at making a bunch of money with a very extremely low amount of effort. I feel like I can rule the world. I know I could be what I want to. I put my all in it like no days off. On the road, let's travel, never looking back. What's up? We got a great episode. We're doing a crazy AI tool. but My favorite new AI thing, kind of mind-blowing. Sam, you got to admit, that was pretty mind-blowing, correct?
1: It was awesome. I just signed up for the waiting list, and I hope they'll actually let me on. But it's yeah, amazing. so
0: this is... This one's, this one's mind-bending. Uh, we also talked about arbitrages. So kind of like money-making arbitrage schemes that either us or our friends have done. Uh, that was a little fun one. Uh,
1: what else did we do? We talked about setting goals. So- what the new year is going to happen in like four weeks. So we think you should start your goals immediately. And we talked about our categories for goals. And then we also talked about Twitter. So there's a bunch of drama going on Twitter with pipe happening, this company that's potentially going to go bankrupt and a few other things happening in our lives about getting fights on Twitter and whether we should react or not. It's kind of gossipy, but I love that. So that's the episode. Check it out.
0: All right. What up? We're back enough of this holiday, enough of this holiday nonsense. How was uh, how was Thanksgiving?
1: It was easy. Ethan came over, you know, you know, our friend Ethan. I don't know if you know Ethan, but he came over and he killed a turkey and he brought it over. Pretty great.
0: (laughs) Did you bring like a carcass in?
1: No, he like, I don't know how they kill it. Actually, I think they just chopped their head off and then he plucked it and brought it over and we ate a turkey. It was awesome. Have you ever done that? Uh, no, I mean, come on.
0: <laughs> what are we talking
1: about here? Uh, I don't anyway. know. I know you have, you have Indian roots. I would have thought that like your parents, your parents have probably killed a chicken or two. Dude, in their we didn't lives. even
0: do Turkey this year because Turkey's dry and like turkey, sucks. Likes turkey, we all had like a moment where we looked at each other and we're like, yo, Turkey sucks. Right. And then we just decided to go with chicken, but nevertheless, we're back. Uh, okay. So I discovered this website. That's kind of crazy. It's called character.ai and i Not gonna lie, I spent like 30 minutes talking to a chat bot yesterday and I had a great time. So (laughs) let me tell you about this conversation. What what character was it? So first I picked Socrates. So so here you go. You go to the website and there's a bunch of characters you could chat with. It's like AI version of Elon Musk, AI version of Walter White from Breaking Bad, AI version of Socrates. So I clicked Socrates. Socrates looks like Samuel L. Jackson with a white beard. I think it literally is, which is... I don't know, maybe racist. I don't know what that is. I don't know why, why they did that, but nevertheless. So he goes, so here's, I'm just going to read you the chat because it was kind of mind-blowing for me. He goes, hey, I'm a, I'm a Greek philosopher from Athens, born in 470 BC. You know, I founded kind of Western philosophy, state an opinion, and that we will use the Socratic method to test its validity. So I said, okay, I got to come up with a spicy opinion. So I go, I go, I believe that marriage is only needed if you're going to have kids. And then he goes, well, I'm not sure I agree because marriage is created to ensure that the property of both families it remains within the family. It was a political thing first and an I love you thing second. <laughs> I was like, whoa. <laughs> and then he go, I go, I go, right, but I'm not talking about, I go, right, but I'm talking about nowadays, not the past. He goes, ah, I see what you're asking. So I would say that there's legal benefits, including sharing of income and property, inheriting rights for the partner if there isn't a will, and medical rights if you're incapacitated or a dying spouse. So marriage is not only a needed, but a legal right for some. Okay, so I'm like, all right. Samuel L. Jackson, Socrates, let's keep going. So I go, that's true, but I think the downsides outweigh the upsides. I mean, divorce can be messy, and maybe one doesn't want to be monogamous. He goes, I see. You're concerned that the emotional pain about marriage can cause since it is a life contract by nature, especially if something like infidelity happens. But I would still say it's a personal choice, and many want marriage for its emotional benefits. Love makes us do crazy things, even if we know there's a possibility of heartache later. I go, but why not just date? He goes, you could. But the point of marriage is to take a plunge and commit to bond for life. There's less emotional risk when dating, but some people like to take that risk. Some people believe it's worth it. The commitment itself is what makes it fulfilling. Would you agree that love is a little irrational like that? I'm like, what is he doing? He's asking me questions and we keep going. And then here's the craziest part. I go, I go, sure, but shouldn't we strive to be more rational? Blah, blah, blah he goes, you should, absolutely. I'm not saying love itself is irrational. It's a risk people take. They want to it in a way that's ride or die. They're devoted to themselves like no one. And it, it, they're devoted to one person in a way that means nobody else. And I go, maybe they should just pinky promise instead. And then he goes.
1: Dude, this is crazy. He goes,
0: Haha, that's possible too. But pinky swear is just words. Marriage means you want the law involved. And I go, how did it know my pinky promise thing was a joke? Like the fact that it said, ha means it understood that I made a joke when I didn't say, haha, I didn't say anything that like indicated that tipped off that this was a joke that blew my mind right there. When I go, maybe they should just pinky promise instead, right? Sarcasm.
1: And it goes, ha ha, that's possible too. But blah, 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 blah. This is wild. I, I just, I clicked the Elon one and I go, do you care about money? He says, I used to. Then I realized money is just a construct. that can't buy peace of mind, happiness, relationships, love, and many other things that make life worth living. This is pretty funny. And I said, I said, what's your favorite car? He goes, the Tesla Model S Plaid. It goes zero to 60 in two seconds and has the best handling of any car. It's just an amazing car, but maybe I'm biased.
0: Yeah, see, that's, that's good. Okay, so I go, I go to the Elon one. I go, yo, Lon, how's it going over at Twitter? And he goes, We're still working on the process of actually transferring ownership. My offer of 44 billion was actually an underestimate of the long-term value of Twitter. So it is unlikely anyone will outbid me. I'm going to clean house and get rid of most of the senior execs and some junior ones. It's going to be fun. Exclamation point. Oh my God. And then I go, (laughs) I go, but what's your game plan to turn it around though? And he goes, number one, reduce bots. Number two, increased engagement by creating creator tools that are useful to users. Number three, create other features that in the future will help humanity or society for be better. But I'm not sure exactly what that is this time. For PayPal, we created online payments. For Tesla, we created electric vehicles. For SpaceX, we created reusable rockets. For Neuralink, we did brain-computer interfaces. For the Boring Company, we're creating tunnels. Boring, a lot of tunnels is, is needed to move the re- world forward to renewables. And he goes, I'm not sure what I'm missing this time with Twitter, but it'll be something.
1: That that's great <laughs> that's, that's amazing great. right <laughs> that's an amazing insight yes that is really good
0: and so i was i i kept chatting with these and then they have one that's giga chad you know the guy who's got the giant jaw and isn't that a real guy uh-huh i think that's a real guy right no 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 it's like a it's like a creative i mean the guy's like 25 feet tall or something like that he's a like huge i think it's like an exaggerated version of like you know a, a, whatever a normal chad looking guy so it opens up the chat. He goes, hey, buddy, have I ever told you how much I admire you? You're healthy. You have a great relationship with your wife. Blah, blah Making ends meet. Blah, blah. He just comes out strong. I go, whoa, I don't know if an alpha male sucks up like that. And he goes, oh,
1: my God. He goes,
0: yes, a kind and caring alpha male supports others. A true alpha cares about his friends and loved ones. And he goes on and on. He goes, and I go, I don't know. Sounds pretty beta to me. And he goes, <laughs> he goes, a beta male is one who, who looks down on himself. A beta male is not confident enough to, to complement others' accomplishments. Uh, Betamel will try to harm others for their own good. He doesn't understand that harming others is really harming himself. The Betamel never understands the concept of karma. <laughs> I'm like, what's going on here? But this is kind of amazing. So, okay, so that was cool, kind of interesting. Now, I'm going to blow your mind. Uh, okay. I don't know what you got planned the rest of the day, but you're going to have to pick up the pieces of your brain after this. So... Hey, let's take a quick break to tell you about our sponsor. There's no secret formula for customer service, but there is an all new service hub from HubSpot and it's bringing service and support together in one platform so you can deliver the best experience possible. You can free up your customer support reps time with an AI powered help desk so you can easily support and grow your customer base. The secret's out, service hub is a game changer. Visit hubspot.com service to learn more. Go to this website, adept.ai, A-D-E-P-T t.ai. And if anybody out there from ADEPT is listening, I need to invest in this company. Y- you need to let me invest in this company. I don't, know, I-, I don't know why, I'll help you. I'll help you with the marketing, I'll help you grow, I'll shout you out, I'll do whatever I can, but I need to invest in this company because my mind is
1: blown and I am a believer. I am signing right. up for so the Church of ADEPT. Okay, so. You go to ADEPT and it says, Useful General Intelligence. Right, it and then it says, Introducing great. Act One.
0: And I thought, okay, Act One, what does that stand for? Right? We've seen GPT-3, we've seen DALI-2, what's Act One? So click read more. So now you're going to go to a blog post. What I want you to do is scroll down to the third, Oh, scroll down to the second like a uh, screen video. You see it? It's like Salesforce. Uh, I, it's Redfin. Oh yeah. Okay. Salesforce. So just yeah, like, yeah, yeah. watch this for a second. So let me explain what's happening. So Adept is this little floating dialogue, like a Google search bar. You can just type it in it. You just tell it to do anything. It's like a, a, a perfect worker. It, they basically oh, train AI to use the internet. So you just type in, hey, can you add Max from Adept to Salesforce as a lead and uh, set a flag that says he's interested in buying like 20 ink cartridges. And then it, it goes to salesforce.com. It logs in. It goes to your dashboard. It clicks add contact. It types in his first name, types in his last name, taps in the, his, his email, adds the note, saves it as a thing in a pipeline. It basically does 20 clicks for you of like doing a menial internet task. So now go, go down to the next one. It's Excel. And it says... Hey, it starts with some data, then it goes, it just types in, it goes, hey, make a, make a profit column and then make a profit margin column. It just types that in plain English. And then it, it starts to create these columns and formulas in Excel knowing exactly what it is. And then he types in, hey, highlight in yellow anything where the profits above or below 20% and then it highlights it. And he goes, actually, can you just remove those rows? And it just filters them out. It's doing all of the Excel work just off of somebody prompting this using plain English. Just, this, this is amazing. Yeah,
1: this is amazing. I just signed up. To, hey, if you're listening, Adept, give me access. I'm on your wait list. This is a, this is wild. Who founded this company? I don't know. A bunch of people with like you know, 25,000 IQ.
0: I, I have no idea. It's like one guy who's like ex Google Brain, and then you know, there's like there's like eight people. You know, maybe I should just go work there. This is gonna be amazing. Oh, wow. Yeah. This is
1: amazing. Oh, so dude, the guy who the the guy who launched it was a VP of engineering at OpenAI. Yeah. Uh, this is awesome. How did you find this? I was in a very nerdy way. It's a little embarrassing to even say this. I was,
0: this was on slide 57 <laughs> of a random slide deck about the state of AI. And I got to tell you, I didn't understand the first 54 slides, but I kept clicking for some reason. I was like, yeah, next, next. What deck? It's called state of AI or something like that. And it's this long presentation and in it, I was like reading and I was just like, I don't understand any of these words. And I was like, just stay here. Just stay in the, stay in the oceans. Maybe a little, a little shell will come your way. And sure enough, it just said something like some blah, 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 teaching, inter- teaching AI to use an internet browser, like adept AI. And I go, what? You could teach AI to use the internet browser. That sounds pretty powerful. Cause that's like, you know, do tasks on the internet. That's pretty cool. And then I went to the website and that's when I like read their blog and I saw this because it's not released yet. Dude, this is a sick presentation.
1: I just pulled it up. This is awesome. This yeah, it's is awesome really until
0: you try to like comprehend the
1: first, like go read the first 10 slides. Do you understand any of it? No, I, I don't. But <laughs> I think it's, I think it's, that's but why I, it's I awesome. could figure it out. But they cite all like the, all they cite all their sources. So like I could figure it out, but it, it seems like a really, really, really good comprehensive it's basically all about where you can launch businesses in AI, and it seems like they're like just by skimming it, they're doing really well. That's a really what good I wanted it
0: stuff. to be. I wanted it to be what are all the businesses, business ideas, you know, that you could do in AI. It actually wasn't that. It was more like. What are the general trends and and where where's the puck going in AI? That which is also useful, like right. They, but you got to still do the work at the end to figure out.
1: Dude, why don't you just launch that? Launch a media company that people pay thirty grand a year for, and you and you just talk about where where the like you you just make exactly what you said you wanted to do. Just make that.
0: Yeah, I feel like I could, but. Um... You know, this is kind of stupid. Like, basically, after doing the Milk Road, I'm like, oh, I know how I would do this in, like, three other spaces that would be value. Like, I think I can make 30 to $50 million doing this. But there's a part of me that, like... I like that. Remember that self-respect, like, bar? There's a part (laughs) of me that doesn't respect that because I'm like, oh, I'm going to play the same level of the game again. Like, you know, I already... I already did this level. I played this, I played this game. Why don't I play a different game? And I know that that's kind of stupid. Like what categories were you interested in? Well, uh, I'm going to keep those cards close to my vest unless oh, I Oh, you little punk to dude, do if, do you're
1: gonna, if you
0: just walk the walk. <laughs> but actually what I want to do is I want to find an operator to do one of them. So if if you want to build one of these like kind of media businesses and I have, a, I have a playbook and a niche that I know it would work and let's see how much more I want to say. Uh, that's how much I want to say, right? Actually, I'll say, I'll say one more word. If you are, this will kind of give one of them away, but that's okay. If you are somewhere between the world of being a doctor and investing, I'd like to talk to you and you should email yeah. me at Sean at dot You should say, Hey, that's me. And I want to, you know, if you really want to do this and, uh, tell me a little bit about yourself because I see it won't be the milk road is actually not the right playbook for that but i have a dip, like i kind of have a different playbook that i in mind that i know would work i just don't want to do it myself because i kind of have done that game but i also don't want to waste this like thing that i i know how to make it work i know exactly right. how it would work so i'm, in, I'm in the spot maybe an operator would be the right way to do it find an operator give them a piece of the action and uh guide them but they do the work maybe that would be the, the right way
1: this deck is awesome adapt is awesome i want to use it is it is it live it's not like released yet as far as i can see Dude, and they're hiring a bunch. Interesting company. This would be a good, this isn't like a sales list company because they're too new and they could definitely go bankrupt. But I I don't know, man. I think that if you're looking to start your career and you want to have a high risk, high reward type of high, type of job, this might be a good candidate.
0: I agree 100%. If I'm an engineer, like this is the type of company I would want to be working at right now.
1: Like, uh, and depending how much funding, they, if they raise $50 million they, in they, funding, like they, that's pretty interesting.
0: They raised $56 million, I think.
1: I would say this is a great, a great company to, to, to get a job at.
0: And like, if you look at their like founding team, it's basically one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, there's eight people on the website. So, you know, you join early enough and you, you know, you're not like employee number, number 89 or something like that. Employee eight is, is a pretty, pretty sweet place for a lot of people who, you know, if you're going to have a job, this is the type of job that that's pretty fun, Right.
1: Yeah, I think this is awesome. This is sick. Adept. That's a stupid name. Adept. Let me
0: invest. Let me invest. Sam, you're in the index funds. You can't invest in
1: this. You, I don't want to invest. I just you, want to use it. You put all
0: your money in the seven and a half percent. I'm going to go ahead and invest in the future of all, like, you know, artificial intelligence.
1: Well, who, do, who do they raise money from?
0: It's like Greylock. And I think Scott Belsky is in this. Actually, I need to hit up Scott Belsky and be like, yo, make an intro, please, because I think he's an investor in this.
1: Huh. All right. Well, this is awesome. Dude, it says they're based out of Nicaragua.
0: <laughs> a that's strange. a red that flag. Part's a little strange, but, back that's, that's weird, right? <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: What Unless do they do with there? Like, you know, uh, I, I mean, I, I can't even think of a single plausible
1: reason for that. <laughs> the, they looked like an Asian guy who worked at Google. I don't think he's from Nicaragua.
0: Yeah. Fred, what are you doing? So. What are you doing down there? <laughs> this is like... He's like, yeah, we I'm use the little... Nile River to, to like cool <laughs> our supercomputers or whatever. <laughs> huh.
1: Yeah, that's a little interesting to me.
0: If you want to know the stories behind your favorite brands, this podcast is for you. They did an episode recently about scaling creator growth and influencer incentives. I thought it's pretty cool. So check it out. Listen to D2C pod wherever you get your podcasts. Like I threw in that Nile reference, even though it's not in Nicaragua, just so that the comments will all correct
1: it and we go up in the
0: algorithm. They know they don't know about the intentional <laughs> mistakes that we do.
1: Uh, yeah, I don't. I, I'm not smart enough in South America geography to even correct you. I, I,
0: I had to learn from all of our TikToks that go viral. It's because there's like one thing we say in them that's like irritates people that it's incorrect and everybody has to comment. and so the TikTok algorithms like must be a great video and it's like millions of views. so like on I that, think the same uh, thing
1: happens th- on YouTube too. Well, I think it happened on like the one where you talked about like Mellow Ball or whatever the fuck his name is, Lamar Ball or something. And I didn't know like any of their names and I said the wrong person's name and everyone was like, You're an idiot. This guy doesn't do anything. Yeah. And it and it gotten like ten million views, I think.
0: Like you, you you could be like, you could start a newsletter and make millions of dollars in under three years. They're like yeah right no 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 fucking way man it's like <laughs> dude you literally did it it's not a hypothetical it's like <laughs> literally your story and they're like dude this bro trying to tell us how to make money it's like all right you live in the tiktok comments <laughs> where sam's dude, actually people, done that thing.
1: people were making fun of me because i said if i could do it all i was like if you're 21 just go and start a blog you know it's a good first business to start and someone commented who the hell reads blogs? What is this? 2015, and someone said that they're like, <laughs> "What what blogs do you read?" I'm like, "Like CNN, Fox News, like like any website that has information that you read on a consistent basis." Right. <laughs> um, you
0: have some stuff on this list that I want to know about just a call to action. It says need to start working on new year's plans now in all caps, get these implemented. So dude, you're like, I think that starting a new year's thing on January 1st is kind of the most small boy thing you can possibly do. It's like, could you be more basic? Just if you have
1: an idea, start it now. Why are you waiting? Yeah. Like at, at the worst, you have to start at December 15th and, I'm a big fan of goals. I write goals. I write my goals out. I tell them what, my wife what they are. And so like we're on the same page. I tell other people what they are. You got to have goals. And I break them out into six categories. By the way, Fam-
0: how does the wife react? You just say, my goal is 8% body fat. She's like, all right. Mm-hmm, okay.
1: <laughs> Dude, <laughs> the fitness stuff, women don't give a shit. We've talked about this. It ripped. The only people who care about being ripped are other dudes. So like I've given <laughs> our, up trying to. Are other ripped guys. <laughs> yeah. I've given up trying to like make my wife like me physically like any more than she already does. That, that will never happen. So, you know, the fitness thing is for me and impressing other men. So that's all there is to that. But I have. The, so the first three categories of the three Fs, family, financial, fitness. And then mind, adventure and other. So let me give you some examples. So financial, that's easy. So how much money you want to make? You want to make money from different projects, things like that. Family for us, it's like, you know, like for me, like I like going to couples therapy. Do you do you do couples therapy? No, never. Dude, you should. It's awesome. It's just like it's just like fitness. It doesn't matter if you're ripped or not ripped. Like you exercise, you got to do it. You don't. My
0: wife is old school. She thinks like you know. She's like, yeah, it's good. therapy's great. Other people should do it. <laughs>
1: but if I suggest it, it's <laughs> yeah. like, oh, you're saying we're broken. <laughs> yeah. She's like, therapy's great for freaks. You know, like it's, it's really so wonderful supportive of people.
0: <laughs> other people doing it. But if you dare mention that, I will take it as a personal assault. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. Dude, you should do it. It's awesome. It's a fun way. It's also it's just good. I, I think people should do it. Fit, fitness is easy. That one's easy. But then mine. So for mind, it's like how if you want to read books throughout the year. For me, I wanted to have more fun this year because I was pretty uptight leading up to, up to this year. And then the fifth category is the really fun one, which most people don't have, which is adventures. So for me, I wanted to do like a car class, like a driving car class. I wanted to go hunting. I Technically, I didn't do that, but I did go fishing. I wanted to camp a couple of times. <laughs> did you just go
0: fishing, hunting?
1: <laughs> is that the same thing? <laughs> I went to Whole Foods so I went hunting. <laughs> <laughs> is that not the same thing? I wanted to look something in the eye. Kill it and then put it in my mouth. That's a, That was the goal. I wanted to kill something and then consume it. And I was unable to do it with an animal that wasn't, you know, that was on land. So, anyway, these are my six categories. Are you going to do that this year? Are you going to create some categories or yeah, create well, some goals? I
0: do, it, I do it a little differently, but I have a very similar, it's, a, it's the same idea. It's just a, little, a slightly different frame. But I do basically, I score myself health, wealth, fun, or like play is kind of that one. And then, love. And then the last one is it's like self-respect. Like how do I view myself? And so those are my five categories. And I basically say on a scale of one to five, where, how would I score myself currently, the present moment? And then what would it take to be, to feel like it's a five? What would make me feel like it's a five? And I start to sort of dream that up. Okay. Yeah. If this, this, and this, and then what I do is every three months, I just go look at that scoreboard and I say, have I made progress on those like or have any meters moved up or down? And that's like my little gauge. It's like my my check engine lights. I got to see if there's an issue. I got to address it. If there's, if I'm making positive progress. All right. Fantastic.
1: What was your self-respect number this year? Self-respect was pretty high. It was a four and <laughs> four out of five. <laughs> so, so pretty good. Yeah. Uh, that one
0: used to be lower. So like uh, I added it because I was like, you know, all these things are pretty good. Something feels off. What's missing? And I go, I think I would respect me more if I was doing some things a little differently. and so I added that. I go, you know, I don't really care, you know that's the one I care the most about, basically, you know my my self- esteem my 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 judgment on myself. and it's the truest gauge because like even if all the surface level stuff looks fine, it's like, only I have full evidence of of the little shithead that I am, and only I see all those moments where I take the shortcuts, or where I lack the discipline, or where I choose the small boy path instead of doing something more adventurous. So only I know, and so that's what I decided. All right, I got I got to add that to the scoreboard.
1: This is the most bro-y thing ever, but on Joe Rogan's podcast, Guy Ritchie, you know Guy Ritchie, he directed like Snatch and all these other movies. Yeah, he goes, I live life as if I'm the director of my own movie. And he said that line and it was awesome. That's a really cool line. And so that's why I created an adventure category because I'm like, dude, I'm such a bitch. I just sit behind my computer all day. Like I don't do anything like sick. Like I'm watching this James Bond movie and he's like blowing shit up in an Aston Martin. I'm like, this is way <laughs> so much cooler than having like a Shopify store. Like I, I need to I need to do more adventurous stuff. And so I think it's good that we both have adventure or fun. You gotta call yours the four uh, the F's though, family financial, fitness, and fun. That'd be way easier to remember. And then self-respect. Yeah, the F4 system? Sounds pretty
0: good. Yeah,
1: yeah. Four four simple steps to financial freedom. Then
0: trademark
1: that. (laughs) (laughs) The four Fs to freedom.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Freedom is only four Fs away. (laughs) We got our slogans. Book the course, let's go.
1: That's what it needs to be. I was actually thinking uh, about
0: doing this. I actually was... I don't know if people would be interested in doing this. It's not really like... It's not really like worth my time, but I kind of want to do it anyways, which is like, I want to do a, it's not a course. What do you call it when it's like, like Michael Jordan used to do this where in the mornings he would go work out at 5am or 6am and he called it the breakfast club. And he was basically just like, like he started doing it alone. And then some guy saw him like walking through the the hotel that, you know, some guy came back from partying and saw Michael Jordan going to the, to the gym. He's like, what are you doing, Mike? He's like, oh yeah, I work out every day at 5am. You should come be here tomorrow. And then the guy came and then slowly but surely the whole team ended up going to the breakfast club and they had a great year they won the championship that year and uh, i kind of want to do that for kickstarting the new year which is like first of all we're not going to do it january 1st but i just want a batch of people who all want to like level up in their you know their four f's basically
1: dude i've thought about
0: this so and just much. be like yo it's a group and we're just going to be here we're going to be together for like 10 days or 21 days or something like that. It's like, we're just going to get hella momentum off feeding off of each other's like progress and energy. And it's just literally going to be a like, a, you know, you put in, I don't know, like a hundred bucks and you join this group chat. And then I will, every morning I will drop kind of like something that's high energy to spark the group. And then you just check in with your shit. And it's just a momentum club. It's just for people who want to build massive amount of momentum. So I kind of want to do this. I, I actually really just want to be a member of one. But I don't think this exists, so therefore I think I might create it, and I might kick it off like, you know, whatever December fifteenth or December like twentieth or something. Have you heard of seventy five hard? Of course,
1: yeah. That's yeah. That's the inspiration for this. This guy's crazy. So his name's I don't know his last name. Andy F. I, Andy Frisella. So he basically has like a a supplement company, and if you look at the podcast charts this week, you and I were like number twelve or thirteen. This guy's always like number two or number one. So he's got like a pretty big following and he's, he's, I think it's a daily podcast. So he does a pretty good job there, but he started this thing called 75 hard. And here's the rules. If you skip a day, you have to start over. If you miss a task, you have to start over at day one. You have to pick a diet and follow it and no alcohol and no cheat meals. You have to drink a water, a gallon of water a day, complete two daily workouts that are 45 minutes each, one of which has to be outside, read 10 pages of day of a non- fiction book and take a progress photo every day and you have to do that for 75 days and he's killed it if you look at the app downloads it's like 10 bucks for five dollars or something for the app there's thousands and thousands of reviews he's totally turned this into a movement he's done a really good job at that
0: yeah yeah that's i think that's like the a plus version of what i'm talking about mine is way simpler because i'm not trying to work out twice a day and like you know, carry a gallon of water around or whatever. It's more like, what is one simple thing I can do just to create momentum? Because I think most people assume the answer is so hard that they literally just do nothing, <laughs> right? It's like, if you're not working out, you don't need a workout plan. You need to walk to the gym and like be in the gym for five minutes, ten minutes. I do a push up, like you know, like just a full a sense of forward progress. And and more than anything, usually it's like especially with the New Year stuff, it's like figure out what even what even do you really want? Do do you have enough clarity on what you really want? Where it's like on the tip of your tongue, and therefore your brain is recognizing opportunities to achieve that thing all day, right? If it's not on the tip of your tongue. Then your brain's not going to be seeing it, uh, you know, seeing those moments or those opportunities for it to happen. I'll give you an example of one of these, like my trainer. So I move my workouts to the morning. So now it's great. I start my start my day, wake up, literally go what down time? to the garage. 8 a.m. So 8 a.m. is the start of the workout. So I do that right before I do this. And he always gives me these little stories, but I turn them into games. So he'll be like, dude, on the way over here, he's like, I stopped at Whole Foods or whatever. And this like old lady, like clipped my Achilles with her cart. And my initial reaction was to be like, what the, you know, like he was, you know, it's like, if you, if you get, you know, flat, you know, flat tired in the back with this car, it's like, dude, you know, what's what you're doing? He look. he's like, look back. It's a grandma. I had to laugh at myself for how mad I was going to get for nothing. And he's like, so I decided, I was like, all right, before I leave Whole Foods, I got to reverse the karma. I'm going to light someone up today. He's like, I'm going to, I'm going to make somebody's day right now. Like somebody is going to have a laugh because of me, because of how, you know, I, I was in this mood, I'm going to switch it. And so then he tells me the story of how he did it. And I am like that's a great little daily chat, like one daily challenge for me today. I'm going to light somebody up today and I'm going to make their day. I'm going to make them laugh. I'm going to do something unexpected that just makes somebody really, really happy. And then I took that as my challenge. And like by, by noon, I had done it. And I was like, that's just a little thing that wasn't going to happen, but it was a lot of forward momentum towards something that I personally care about, which is being that type of dude, being that type of dude, who's in that type of
1: mood, who It's contagious with other people. When I hear light someone up, I don't think make their day good. I think the opposite. Well, yeah,
0: there is like a (laughs) we're not playing Halo here or whatever. (laughs) Shoot people up. I'm say light them up. Like, you know, brighten their day.
1: I feel that. Well, I think that's good. Let me know what you're, what you're, how you're going to organize this. Well, now that I said it, I feel
0: like I have to do it. I this was an idea that I was not going to do until I just got ropa doped into doing it here on the pod. But okay, we'll, we'll do it. Okay. Do you have anything else on this new year thing that you want to talk about?
1: No. I just think that we, we have to make goals and we have to make them. And you, you have to decide and start acting on them before January 1st. Doing goals on January 1st is weak. That's nonsense. That's nonsense. We can't be doing that.
0: You know, we did a, uh Spartan race, I think together, but that one and Tough Motor, they do this thing where before you get to the start line, like it's like, oh, I'm here to do the tough motor race. You go, you're trying to get to the starting point, and there's like a wall you got to climb just to get to the starting line. And you know, it's sort of like laughable. It's like stereotypical thing, but it's like Yeah, but it's fun. But it's fun and it's it's a it's a line in the sand. And it's like either you believe that this sort of thing is awesome Or you should just leave now, honestly, if you're like, and I can bitch about the wall before the starting line. Well, guess what happens after the starting line? A bunch of walls and a bunch of obstacles and adversity that's coming your way. And if you aren't willing to do it before, you know, to go before go, like, you know, you're not, this is not for you. And I just love that. Like, I remember filing that away in the, in the mental swipe file of like, that's how you build a brand is you like. You think about what would be the way that we would do a starting line? do before you even get to the start line. There's an obstacle. And I I remember thinking that. So that's kind of like the New Year's thing to me. There's like the the starting line is not January 1st. It's now.
1: Yeah. Whenever I create like, you know, everyone has this thing where they go, I'm going to eat healthy starting tomorrow. And that just says to them, like, all right, I can pick up now, but I'm going to start tomorrow. And whenever I think of dieting, I'm like, no, whenever you have the idea to like, I'm going to do this. You have to actually start this second. You can't say- I'll do that
0: same thing. And, but I'll be like, like, if I have
1: the plate in front of me, I'm like, all right, I'm already feeling guilty.
0: It's not finish this meal and start healthy tomorrow. It's, I have to physically go take this plate to the garbage can and throw it away. But first, and I take the last bite, like I'm a prisoner on death row. And this is the last bite. And I just savor that last bite. Like it is like every particle of that bite is like my heaven, and then after that bite, I go throw the thing away.
1: That's right. You got to start right away. So that's <laughs> my whole thing with goals. If you're gonna do them, you got to start right away. What? What's this? What? What do you want to go? What's the most interesting thing? Arbitrage that and money quote automatically have me interested. Okay, let me do what's the money the- quote
0: real quick. I saw this, and this is something that I would say like resonated with me as a lesson for the year. Right? We all know your boys lost a lot of money this year. We know. We know it happened. We know that the. That there, there is such a thing as the as the risk playing out this year, and one thing that really stood out was when I read this quote. I read it on Twitter. I'll read it to you. By right the
1: now. way, how do you feel about losing money? Are you actually upset?
0: Look, nobody nobody likes losing money. I don't like losing the money, but the adversity is my opportunity. So, you but know, do you
1: go to do you go to bed do you do you go to bed worried? No. <laughs> what's,
0: what's that gonna do? Well, <laughs> most people—if I, I ever people felt that way—I'd
1: be like, "What's that gonna do for me?"
0: <laughs> and then I would stop.
1: Okay, so you're you are worried, but you're not that worried. You're sleeping fine.
0: There's no worry, worry wouldn't even worry's not even close. It's more like the, if there is an emotion that I would feel that's negative, it would be like, "Ah shit," or "Ah fuck," right? Like it's like, well, is it out of fear or out of I'm embarrassment? No, out of like kicking myself, like, "Dang, I made a mistake," or so, maybe like I should have thought
1: like you're like ashamed of yourself. Like you're like, you're just upset that I made a bad decision. Yeah.
0: it's like, Oh, I, you know, it's like, if I'm playing ping pong and I hit the ball into the net, it's like, ah, that was an unfor, there was an unforced error. Could I have done something differently? Could I have shifted my angle slightly? Could I have taken a little less power on it or whatever? Right? Like there are things you ask yourself, could I not have read the signs differently or hedged or done certain things in
1: order to protect myself? But, but do you feel pressure now that you got to go make that up? Are you like, shit, I put all this work in to get the initial thing. Now I got to go and put more time in to go get it back.
0: No, no. Because I see this is the good thing about playing being a poker degenerate for so long is like I've already gone through that like mental like trap a thousand times. So I know how to I know how to get out of those handcuffs. Like if you play poker, you you will on a weekly basis have this feeling of like, oh god I'm on a downswing either because I'm playing bad or bad luck or whatever and then the urge is to get it back and I've literally been the dude who walks to the ATM at the casino and it's like would you like to pay the $17 service fee I'm like yeah fuck it, give it to me and then I like push it I get the get the $600 out and I hit the max and then I'm like, all right, I got $600. I'm three grand in the hole and I got to get it back. And then I lose the 600. I'm like, well, later that night, as I'm reflecting in my comp hotel room, because I lost so much money, which is the ultimate backhanded compliment where they give you a free free room. They're like, please, sir, come back tomorrow. We, we would love to take your money again. <laughs> they're like, don't go home. <laughs> you know, they're like, as I'm sitting there laying there and I think to myself, you know what? I shouldn't have gone and got that extra money. I should have cooled off. I should have gone with a clear mind. I should have, you know, gambled at the right stakes so that I wasn't trying to win it all back in the next hand or the next hour, or whatever it is. So playing poker online and offline, you know, I've done a lot of the rookie mistakes hundreds of times. And at some point you realize, okay, got to manage my bankroll properly. So I can't go broke. Secondly, if you lose, you live to fight another day, go clear your head, change your state. Don't come back and gamble right away. Second, like the money you're playing with now is not to win back the money you just won or lost. So if you want a bunch of money, that doesn't mean play it reckless now. If you lost a bunch of money, that doesn't play, play desperate now. Like you have to play in isolation. You have to play the odds and you have to play, you know, the best game you can. Just try to make positive decisions. So you learn that in poker. Now for me with business or investing, that's all like baked into my DNA because I spent like 10 years doing that.
1: Sure. All right. Well, and so what about the money quote? All
0: right. The money quote is this. And by the way, this was, I just saw this on Twitter. I don't know who, I don't know the source of this. It's from a book. So it says, for one thing. We usually act too quickly when we're trying to make money, and too slowly when we're trying to protect our money. If you're pressed to make a decision, ask yourself: Am I doing this to protect my money or to make my money more, make more money? If the answer is protect, you should act more quickly. If the answer is to make money, you should act slowly. And I don't know about I don't know if this is true for you. I think you're wired quite differently than me. But for me. This was like, you know, like when you're in a room and you say something and you found that echo spot and it just bounces on all the walls and you hear it a thousand times. Why? Because what do you do? When I feel like there's a moment to make money, I act very impulsively quickly. I kind of, I'll not put as much thought and research or diligence or patience into making a decision. I won't sleep on it because if it's making money, I try to strike while the iron's hot. And that served me well in some ways, but it's also been the source of many mistakes. And then there's the other side of it. When I'm trying to like protect money, so for example, I'll tell you in the crypto case right now, it's like I, I saw and heard because we were doing the milk road, we started reporting about these like collapses before they happen, like the lunar collapse right before it happened, the Celsius one before it happened, we put it in the newsletter, the FTX one. And in each case, I kind of was like, oh, let me see how this plays out when the, the prudent thing to do would have been to act more swiftly and say, hey, just out of an abundance of caution, let me withdraw my money out of this thing or let me place a hedge. Let me let me do something to protect myself here. And I kind of was just like, let me sit back and let's see it when the action arrives, then I'll take, then I'll put my my dukes up, right? And in reality, so I've learned that for me, this is a really good rule of thumb, which is if I'm trying to make money, that's the time to slow down, be a little more diligent. If I'm trying, if it's about, if I'm in a protect money mode,
1: I should be pushing the action and acting more decisively and quickly because my nature is to do the opposite. Dude, my nature is to do, so I'm pretty slow when it comes to money making stuff. I'm like, no, I'm going to like actually assess if, if I want to do this. If, I, if, if it involves like a business that I have to operate or think about, I go, you know, do I want to do this for a long period of time? Let me actually reflect on this. But then when it comes to selling and protecting, I don't, I don't. So like if I buy a piece of property or something like that and let's say it's not working, I'm like, I don't care. I'm holding on to this. If I, if I own like some type of public equity, I go, I just pretend that it like, I just can't sell. I've never sold a, a, a stock in my life. And I'm not sure if that's is actually that wise. You've never sold a stock? Never. I don't think so. I don't think <laughs> ever. <is> <laughs> uh, not one ever. Meh. Maybe when I was fucking around, I was like trying to create content for the podcast when the... Uh, amc thing happened and i think i bought 500 for the stuff and then i sold it when i earned like a 10 percent return in one day and i was just like fucking around to like figure <laughs> out how Robinhood, but that was more experimental but no besides that i don't think i've ever really sold a stock in my life i think that maybe my wealth manager or like my banker like does like tax harvest tax where, like harvest. he's like yeah. yeah but like me personally i have never sold i've never sold a single stock that's amazing wow okay so great you're wired very well for for success when it comes to- You sold, wait, but so when you you like buy and sell like equities? Yeah, for sure. (laughs) No, I don't ever do that. I've never done that in my life. I don't think that's the right thing to do. Do you actually think that you're going to outperform someone who actually does this for a living and has like $20 billion or $50 billion in assets? Well, either
0: way, you're thinking that, right? Like even if you don't sell, you're putting your money in assuming you're, I don't think, I'm not trying to outperform somebody else. I'm simply trying to make more money. I'm trying to increase my rate of return. I'm trying to make more money or reduce my losses. And so one strategy is buy and hold forever, buy good assets, buy and hold them forever. And another ass, another one is Sean wakes up, feels a certain type of way and starts making decisions that he shouldn't be making, right? Like, What if
1: I told you that you're allowed to go start a private business and you're allowed to go do things like that, but any profit that you make, it has to go into this pile of money that you can never touch again, unless you want to withdraw the gains, but You cannot invest in anything other than this one thing, but it will get a 7.5% return every single year for the next hundred years. Would you accept that 7.5% return?
0: Shoot me in the head. Why don't you? I mean, come on. What if I said you can only have white bread and turkey slices for the rest so, of your wow, life? Wow. So
1: you wouldn't take that seven point five percent return every single year? No, dude, that is the craziest thing on earth. Really? I would take dude, that what's all day. the fun day? in
0: that? I'm not saying I'm a day trader, but I guess what I guess what I'm saying wait, is, wait. Like, so you? I would not that is, want to literally not be able to touch my money forever, nor would I not want to no, like, I mean, not be um, able to make any decisions. It's like, ah, it's okay, i scenario- okay if I overperform, if I, if I, if I, if I over-perform or underperform, it's not even for that. It's just like, what's the fun in living like that? That doesn't sound fun to me.
1: What? But in this scenario, you can go and start, you can go and generate wealth, but any like wealth that you make that you don't spend on things that you actually consume and use for so fun. So I can't
0: invest in startups? I love investing in startups
1: you can't invest in startups oh, and you can't no, buy It just, all your money I'm just goes, you're, you're basically, you, you, you could spend your money how you want in terms of like buying homes or whatever, anything that you want to have a, good, a cool life. But all of your investment goes into a thing where you don't ever touch it and it just makes seven and a half percent a year. That is, dude, do you realize seven and a half percent is, that's basically if over a hundred years, that's what the markets do. It doesn't happen every year. You know, some years it's 30, sometimes it's negative 20. But I would totally take that any day of the week, no decisions have to be made. You don't have to worry. Seven and a half percent doubles every look, 10 years. I put a you don't want that? Of my,
0: I put a portion of my money in that, right? So I have a portion of my money in index funds that I don't touch, I don't think about. But all? What if why does it, was, why it what have what to be what, all? What, Let me have it, some fun. Why am I don't What am if it was 95%? If
1: what about 95%? No, can
0: ninety five percent? Jesus, dude, dude this, this is <laughs> crazy. All right, so let, like, let's Seventeen—that's my best offer, and I'm not giving you a dollar so, more than seventeen percent.
1: You have to admit. So, for all of our listeners here, I actually think that most people might think like you at this moment right now. But can you, and if you're listening, you have to ask yourself this. But Sean, can you acknowledge that? <laughs> The seven and a half is this the intervention. Percent. What's happening? Listen, listen, can you acknowledge that the seven and a half percent is financially the safe and correct move? Like that will, in ter- I don't know how, like, you know, nerd bankers do the math, but like statistically speaking, like that is the best, that is the best probability to get like a high, a good rate of return.
0: No, I disagree.
1: Uh, here's why That is here's crazy. Why. Here's
0: why. Here's why. Here's why. I can take that money in and just invest it in my own businesses. I can put the capital up for my own business and grow them at a much faster rate. I've done that multiple times. I did that. Oh, with the in no this pro, scenario,
1: the- y- you could still do that. I'm just saying, like any profits. Oh, I can't take. Cop- I can
0: take money, put it in my own
1: businesses. You're saying? Yeah, I'm saying you could start businesses, but like any, you you basically have two. You have one account, uh, or you have two accounts: a checking account that's just like for your living, and then just like an investment account. And then you could go and like, hey, look, I'm gonna go and start, put a little bit of money into my own privately held company. I'm saying you can do privately held companies, but you can't invest in anything outside of those things.
0: Yeah, so I think that for most people, that is the correct answer. I think that for me, that is not the
1: correct answer for two reasons. And most people think they are not most people, which is crazy here.
0: (laughs) That's true, that's true. For an above average person like me, and everybody listening is like, I'm above average too.
1: The average person this, thinks they're above average. This is, is like, absolutely crazy to me, because if you just look at like all the evidence here, like even
0: no, Warren but like, Buffett look, if is the I best took ever. And, w- and I put it into either investments that I have access to. Like, I think my startup portfolio is going to beat seven and a half percent average. I fundamentally believe that. So I'm going to put some amount of capital in that. Like if you're betting that your startup portfolio or my startup, my angel portfolio is going to be worse than seven and a half percent. That's how you could say that and it might end up being true. I'm not saying it's not true. I personally don't believe that's going to be true. It has other problems. It's illiquid and, and there's other things like that. But I think the rate of returns to be closer to 20 or 30 percent. And so I'm going to put some of my money towards that. I put some into my own businesses. I might buy a business or buy a minority stake in other people's businesses that are growing 20, 30, 40 percent a year. And again, different, liquid, different liquidity, different risk profiles. But like, I do think that that is how I would prefer to play the game, and I'm okay with the fact that this might mean that I don't beat the seven and a half percent. I, I, you know, I'd rather be the hare than the tortoise, and I'm okay if the tortoise wins. The tortoise wins, but the hare had a lot more fun. And I just sort of believe that you know I'm gonna do well financially through my own businesses and my investments. That like, I'd rather do it the way that's a little more engaging to the
1: brain than just do you just have saying, any money in index funds boglehead or whatever you call yourselves uh, that yeah do you have any money in index funds yeah
0: yeah, yeah i do
1: I, I have hundreds of thousands of dollars in index funds i i i think you're crazy. dude the way that i look at it is my privately held companies those generate wealth those generate you know cash flow and income and then I only want to focus on maximizing returns in that area, and then the whole rest, I just put in this thing that I don't even log into. And I think that's a
0: good strategy. I'm not saying that's a bad strategy. I, I think that is a good strategy. It is just not the one I choose for myself.
1: I act. I think for most, for you you are not most people. Not actually in the sense that your investments are good. I do agree that they will be great, but you are different from the sense in the sense of you don't get stressed out about things. But for most every other per- person out there, I think they should 100% follow my. Bro, the way that I do things.
0: Most people don't have a floating light bulb on their desk, do they? But I do. What are the four mo- most four most dangerous words in the English language? Four hundred one k. The stupidest shit you've ever said. <laughs> We're going full who's... first take, and I'm going full Skip Bayless on you. All right, what do you what do you got? All right, what so that's the go? money quote. Let me tell you about. Okay, let me ask you a question about arbitrage. This is actually the least. I have some more well-researched stuff in this, but I want to hear what you have to say about this. Okay. When I hear
1: the word arbitrage, I
0: automatically don't love it. (laughs) Okay. You might (laughs) not like this question then. The question is, what are some of the great arbitrages you or your friends have capitalized on? And I ask this because I've bumped into people and I've met people who I think are really good at this. Your best buddy, Jack Smith, I think is very good at this. He's very good at identifying arbitrages. And... I think these are kind of a horrible strategy to pursue for a couple of reasons. Well, let's define what an arbitrage is. An arbitrage is where you recognize some inefficiency, where you almost don't have to create any value. You don't have to create a product. You just sort of recognize that the system is slightly broken, you know, like you could buy something over here for X, you could sell it over there for Y with very minimal work in between and just pocket the difference. And you're like, oh wow, that's amazing that they just didn't recognize this. And it won't last forever. But it, when you know, while it does last, you can make. Hey, what are some arbitrages that you know of that people have done? I want to talk about those.
1: I'll tell you one that I did, and I'm not proud of it, but I think I'll share it anyway. So one time, when in 2013, I got poison ivy, and I went to Amazon, and I just sent it to you in this chat. I went to Amazon and I bought this thing called Zanful. Zanfel, it's a poison ivy cream, and it costs around. Let's see what it costs. It costs. per ounce and I read the reviews and someone said this is the same thing as Mean Green which is a huge it's Mean Green is like a tub of hand soap that you can clean your hand and it costs roughly 20 cents an ounce and so i ended up creating a website and i called this product itch juice and it (laughs) and i bought a vat like a 50 gallon tub of this stuff and it was like a quarter an ounce and i repackaged it and put an itch juice label on it and i sold it as poison ivy treatment and i made thousands of dollars when i was in college and, you know, and then I shut it down because I thought this is stupid. I'm not going to become a uh, I'm not going to start a company called its Shoes. Uh, and so that, that's <laughs> one example. you already did, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I ended up shutting it down. I thought it was so stupid. But that's one example of an arbitrage that I've personally done. What's a what's an arbitrage that I've seen other people do? I, I think, don't know.
0: I think Jack told me about one of well, Jack told me about a few that he's done. But I think one that he's done that I I, I, I vaguely remember. I might get some details wrong here, but. For a while, Jack was very, very active on Rally Road, Rally Road, so yeah. Rally
1: Road or Otis. These basically these marketplaces. I think he was you, the number one user. Yeah. You could buy
0: room. like fractional shares of unique items. So, you know, like a original box set of Harry Potter or like this rare Pokemon card. So you could buy these collectibles. It was a, it was a place to buy collectibles and you could buy full or fractional shares. And um, Jack was extremely active on these. And I thought, oh, Jack didn't know you were such a big collector. And he's like, I'm I'm not just, you know, thought it was interesting. And I noticed this
1: opportunity. And I think what Jack had set up was and and by the way, with Rally Road, you can buy things that are like nerdy things that mostly boys like. So it's like you could own a a portion of a 1965 Ford Mustang. You could own a portion of a 1977 Elvis Presley last live performance ticket or this rare Andy Warhol painting, things that are like pop culture, sometimes manly man stuff of which Jack is not like a traditional manly man. And I'm like, (laughs) Jack, he goes, yeah, I told him about like some Jaguar car. He goes, oh, the Jaguar F1. Like, yeah, I own a part of it. And I was like, you like that? He goes, no, I don't know. I don't I I didn't even know what it was. I just saw it on a spreadsheet.
0: Yeah, exactly. that's, That's how he is. So I think what he was doing was he recognized that these platforms would have what they would call like an IPO or something like the initial public offering where they would sell the thing and it would happen. And it's like this moment. And then you could you could bid and you could buy, and then they would like, then it would start trading. And he noticed that like there was just more demand than supply for those things. And so he created like, I don't know, a bot or like a set of human beings that would like go buy as much as he could in the IPO. And then he would just like immediately flip it right afterwards. And he extended that. I think he had like, at one point he had a team of people in the Philippines That were just constantly searching for, I hope I could share all this. This wasn't like a
1: secret, right? Like he was, I don't think he's still doing it.
0: Yeah. So he had a team in the Philippines that was just researching and they were like highly competent people. They were researching eBay and they would find what every like card is trading for on eBay. And then they would just scour and place bids to buy below that price and then flip it on eBay. And like, he just had this like small eight person operation that was just buying and selling these cards. No, as long as it was under under the the eBay price by certain margin of safety. I think he was doing that. Something like that. And And by the way, this guy,
1: Jack Smith, you you can look him up on YouTube. He's our good friend. He started a company that he sold for 800 million dollars when he was like 29 or 30. So he probably had millions of dollars on these platforms.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think he spent millions of dollars on these platforms. And so he was kind of doing this at scale. And I think he was making a pretty crazy return doing this. I think he was making I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised he was making 40, 50, 60% returns on on these, on these, on these items. And he was like scaling it pretty well. And I was like, Jack, what are you doing? Like, you know, Hey, you genius. How did you even see this? Like, how did you even see this opportunity? Why, why did your brain even look at this? Secondly, just the balls to actually go for it and like set up this operation and like, yeah, put a significant amount of money in. Like god that's so different. I've never done something like that on a non-business. This is like not a business. This is literally just like a arbitrage. And then third, like is this what you do with your time? Do you find these like cracks in the system and just exploit them? These edges? And I think that's what he does. I think he is like an edge seeker and he just finds edges and then he exploits them sometimes for profit and but mostly for amusement it seems like.
1: Like when when we when I ran the hustle, I wanted to have a weekly thread or a weekly column called Jack's Hacks, and he would just talk about all like the interesting stuff that he would find. I mean, if you would go to Jack's house, he would ha- he had moved into this part of Bernal Bernal Park because he had a rental that uh, a, a home that he rented that had a garage. And I was like, Jack, you don't even know how to drive. He didn't get his driver's license until he was like thirty. I was like, Jack, you don't even drive. Why do you need this? And he goes, Oh, that's where I'm going to keep all my Amazon stuff. I was like, What? And he goes, check this out. And he showed me this spreadsheet where he would buy 10 to 20 versions of anything that he wanted to buy, as small as a razor to a carry on luggage to a like any type of suitcase to like chocolate to keto products. He would buy 10 to 20 of every single one and he would test all of them, pick the one that he liked, and then return all other 19. So much so that he had to create multiple different Amazon Prime accounts because they kept banning him. This is how like, wild he is he just loves doing these unique crazy things and just like finding the edge finding the best thing and so if you say jack what's the best carry-on luggage he'll say oh it's this camera bag well why is it a camera bag well because camera bags typically have more volume so this one holds 50 liters as opposed to 48 liters because it doesn't have like like it like he does things like that he's just unique
0: He's Yeah, he's nuts. And so there's that. And then there's other ones that like, you know, just to give another example, I saw this, I think I saw this on Instagram or TikTok or something like that. But this is another example of an arbitrage. This is why I wrote the word down. I'll go, arbitrage has just cracked me up. So somebody has an Etsy store and I think they're the number one result if you search Mona Lisa or like Mona Lisa photo print or something like that. And the, basically what it is, is it's an account that will send you a, a like printed out framed picture of the Mona Lisa. It's like $50. I think, and this Etsy shows you how much sales a single store has done. And this store has done 65,000 sales. And so you just do the math, you realize this person has made a million dollars selling this Mona Lisa print. And then you look at it, you're like, Oh, I think they're just drop shipping. So I think what they did was they just had the top listing for Mona Lisa Etsy, either because they were early or they bought it. Or I I'm not sure exactly how they got there, right? I don't have visibility of that. But then as soon as you place the order, they just have like a like a Zapier integration, which just goes to like, it, it goes to like, you know, what's it called? Like the printing website, yeah. like one, of, one of the printing sites, Printful, right? It goes to Printful and it just automatically places an order. To your fills in your address for that print and it has a spread. Like it only costs them whatever, 20 bucks to do the thing and they sell it for 52 and they just pocket the difference. I'm looking
1: at them now. And this you know, is these are, this is
0: another arbitrage where they're not like creating a ton of value. They're just sort of like connecting these pipes.
1: We had wow, a guy. 68,000 sales. Vintage wall graphics. Yeah. And that's so that's I, I'm pretty story. sure
0: that they're just literally like automatically like going and doing a, a dropship model where they print They print the order through one of these these platforms and they could always do the printing themselves if they want more margin. But like, if you're just a lazy arbitrager, this is a great arbitrage to pick up. And then there's all these little places where these arbitrages exist. And, you know, I I start to think about those and I wonder, who are these people that spend a lot of time looking at this? And is that worth it? Now, I'll tell you why I don't think it's worth it. It's tempting to do for me for one reason, which is there is a sick pleasure And making a bunch of money with a very extremely low amount of effort of just it was your cleverness that that drove this. It's also fun to tell these stories if this is something you've done. So it's nice to have one or two of these in the bag of an arbitrage you've done just to have the story. I feel like it's like a badge of honor for for a certain type of entrepreneur. And the last thing, you know, so there's the positives. The negatives are. These arbitrages don't last for long. As soon as they you know, get exploited, uh, you know, then the second arbitrager comes by, starts doing it, and the edge goes away. The window of opportunity closes. So you're kind of hunting for a long time. Then you find something, and it's probably not going to last for a very long time. So, so that's Dude,
1: I have a friend who has raised tens of millions of dollars for a startup that was at one point valued for, for hundreds of millions of dollars. And whenever I hang out with him, the most exciting thing that he tells me about is he started a side hustle for fun because he builds stuff and he created an epoxy business. Do you know what epoxy is? I think that you use it for like floors or for like if you're making a table, you like it's like a sealer. He has an epoxy business on Amazon that makes him $250,000 per year in profit on very little work. And he, we don't talk about startups. We talk about his epoxy <laughs> business, and that's like the most exciting thing that they do. And I think that for a, I could name a dozen or so people who are worth nine figures, a hundred million plus, and or people who have made tens of millions of dollars. It seems that a lot of people who are worth that, they definitely start doing things like this. So whenever I meet someone who's doing something like black hat or gray hat, or even totally white hat, but it's like, oh, that's kind of lame. I, I always think like, well, but that's oftentimes how the greats start. So like most everyone who has made money on the Internet, like even if you look at like Airbnb, like if you look at some of the early tactics that they used, even though they're a great, wonderful, ethical, publicly traded company now, like they still did weird, shady shit in the beginning. And I think it's just a rite of passage where you're creating cool shit is to do like, you know, gray, gray hat stuff.
0: Yeah, I, I don't think all... Like I I don't I I doubt Elon has has you know done some random ass like you know arbitrage on some dating site or something like that. No, but, but he's
1: done dumb shit. He still does dumb shit. Well, like he sells like stupid stuff.
0: Well, there's that, but like I guess what I'm saying is I guess I'd put it differently. Anyone who has done that, I'm like you have what it takes. <laughs> like
1: Exactly. It's not yeah. that
0: everybody who's who makes it big has done that, but everybody done Sorry, who's I meant to say a large, a large amount it big, of people. Yeah. yeah. And and it has a very high likelihood of making it big. It's just a matter of time until they start to apply their talents into that. And, you know, into that realm. And, like we um, have
1: this friend who, who who we met at your thing, Syed, Syed, who owns WP Beginner and all the in Awesomeness Corp. I think it's called. He probably I don't know how big it is, but it's probably like worth hundreds of millions of dollars. I want i want to get him to come onto the pod so he's this guy who owns this like wordpress it's called wp beginner it's like a blog that blogs about different wordpress plugins and stuff and then he eventually went and bought the plugins and he like now is like a plugin wordpress plugin like mafia like they own everything you could think of and it's huge it's a huge thing that he owns and he was telling me some stories about how he started and i'm like oh this is just the same story i've heard over and over and over again like something like Not like scammy, but like, you know, something like you're just like doing normal Internet marketing stuff like you probably were an affiliate for some product that you thought was stupid, but it just made enough money that you learned, oh, I should actually do this, but for things that can last a long, a longer time. Right. Do You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I think one of his also was like he went and changed his grades. He like hacked into the school system and changed his grades or something like that. Yeah. I don't know if that was a real story or a fake story, but I loved it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Like if I hear stories like that, just like, oh, like you definitely have what it takes. Right. (laughs) all right let's do let's do another one you got anything else or you want me to do one do you know any of the details about pipe um
0: i don't know the detail i know i know what you know (laughs) i know what you know from our group chat so i don't know any more than that but kind of a strange situation the uh i guess for those who don't know pipe was this like cool cup cool idea basically if you had like subscription revenue like oh monthly monthly recurring revenue they're like look we'll pay you out if you're going to make a hundred dollars at the end of this year if like on that on that subscription we'll give you Ninety of it up front. We'll keep the extra ten as margin, and we'll like you know. So you could get financing. You could get basically a pay advance on your subscription revenue, and then they on the other side they had like banks and and you know funds that wanted to buy these assets. They're like, oh, this recurring revenue is a asset class like real estate, like anything else. You should be able to buy bundles of recurring revenue for a discount for what it's worth because they want money up front to use to grow, and you want this cash flow. And so that was the idea, great idea, raises a bunch of money, gets valued at $2 billion. It's considered like the, like one of the hot, like winners. Pipe was like, you know, a huge thing. And then suddenly- But it gets
1: valued at $2 billion after nine or 12 months of, of existence. Yeah. It gets something, huge something quick. And
0: like I used it, for example, like with my fund, I, it's like, oh, you get these management fees. It's like, oh, but you could pipe them and have them all right now instead of waiting. It's like, oh yeah, I'll push this button instead of wait. That, that makes sense to me. And so cool idea. Now, This week, for some reason, all of the founders stepped down, (laughs) which is, you know, generally speaking, bit of a red flag. All the founders stepped down and they're like, hey, we're going to hire new people, but they don't have them in place. That was the part which which is a little bit strange. So first, it's strange that all three founders stepped down at the same time. Then it's strange that they didn't have replacements in in lieu uh, ready for it. And so people think, you know, pipe might be imploding. I, I don't know the story. Did I miss anything
1: there? Well, the rumor was, see, someone tweeted it and actually got deleted. I don't know why. But the rumor was basically, and this is 100% rumor, and the founder actually came out and said, no, that's, that's nonsense. This is completely untrue. But basically, uh, someone tweeted, four people now have shared what happened. Pipe CEO loaned $80 million to a Bitcoin mining company, didn't tell the board, lost it all. Board fired CEOs, CEO months ago. They had already sold a bunch of secondary shares and may have taken personal loans out as well. Which, if all those things are true, that's horrible. Founder has said no, none of that's true, other than the secondaries, which we made public that we did in fact sell secondaries. But just a juicy, interesting story that we'll have to wait and see how it turns out. I would have thought that you would have known something.
0: Yeah, It hasn't played out yet. I don't know. You know, sounds like bad news, and you know, it's, it's not relevant to me, so I, I, you know, I stayed away from it for for now. But we'll we'll see. We'll see. I'm sure this will come out. I don't think you can keep. I don't think you can keep the cat in the bag on uh, this type of thing. Um, oh, by the way, what happened with your thread about Andrew Chen with uh, Jason Calacanis? I saw something popping off but I didn't know. Were you, were you in harm's way? Do I need to get in there?
1: No, I appreciate that. But see, so here's what happened. So two years ago, Andrew Chen, who's a partner at A16Z, him and I were at a mutual friend's house when a storm came. And I thought it would be f- and I asked him like advice. I was like, how do you angel invest? And I purposely had like a sarcastic, funny opener of like, I spent 72 hours trapped in a closet or trapped in an apartment. And it was like supposed to be funny, but it's kind of hard to be like to tell sarcasm on Twitter, I guess. And at the time I tweeted out his five like rules and like a lot of people hated them. And one of them was to run towards the heat. So hyped companies, that's like a good way to angel invest because hype is real, whatever. And I said, these are what he said. And then today or Sunday, someone tweeted out and they said, Two years after this tweet, and this is why we are left with FTX, Bird Scooters. What are the other ones? Fast, fast, yeah. Pipe and a bunch of other like high profile things that haven't done so great. Of which I Andrew didn't invest in one, by the way, not one of those. But anyway, and they took a screenshot and they shared my tweets, and they were kind of making fun of me. And then Jason Calcanis also shared the same thing. And I thought he was making fun of me, so I started chirping back at him. And then he DM'd me. He goes, "I wasn't trying to make fun of you. I was just trying to make fun of Andrew." Basically, is that's not exactly how he said it, but that was the yeah. applied thing. And I was like, "Well, I didn't, I didn't sense that from you." And he goes, "Well, I'm sorry you felt that way. I, I, I all love." And I go, "All right, that's fair. We're, we're cool." And so I, I didn't, no, I didn't pounce, <laughs> but uh, uh, we. Uh, we're, we're cool. I I got I've got nothing but love for him. You make fun of those guys all the time, or Chamath at least. I've never once. If you go back and listen, I've never once made fun of any of them. I like Jason. He's been nothing but nice to me throughout my career. But I <laughs> I was holding back, and I'm happy I did. So we're all good. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but I I got You're lit ready up, to man. throw down on those types of things though.
1: <laughs> I am I am ready to throw down. I like one guy. I was like, uh, you know, I, I dude. I know. I see you in Austin. I'm gonna see you again. Just so you know. And, uh, like, I'm I'm more,
0: uh, I'll see you, I'll see you around Austin. You go, is that a threat? You go, no, I live in Austin too. And I was like, I think that was a threat.
1: (laughs) Dude. I, by the way, I have I'm I've, I've done, I've been to jail. I do. I've been a bad person in my past and. I will never break the law again. My goal in life is to never break the law. I will never, I'm totally a pacifist. I will, I do not want to hurt anyone. So I will my intention is never to do anything wrong. I'm just saying, like, if I see someone, I'm gonna like be like, hey, you are being rude to me online. Be rude to me now. I'm not gonna hit anyone, I'm not gonna hurt anyone, but I would have no problem confronting someone. That's how it should be, right? Sure. Yeah. You're Am like, I wrong for reacting to these people? Like, Look, I'm pacifist. I've been to
0: jail. I'm not trying to go to jail. What again. I'm saying is,
1: I when I used to get in trouble, I promise, I go, I don't want to do this ever again. I don't want to do anything bad. I don't want to hurt anyone. I don't want to. I, but you, I'm do, totally... you do
0: train like you're preparing for a fight.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do. But I don't. I, I, I will. I like. I will never hit someone. I would. I'll let someone hit me a bunch before I react. But
0: if you did, you'd win the fight.
1: <laughs> I would hope so. I would hope so. At least against someone on Twitter, more likely than not.
0: <laughs> if you got a Twitter account, I could kick your
1: ass. <laughs> uh, yeah. If you're one of the 300 million people on Twitter, then there's a good chance that I will come out on top. And not always. But I don't know. Am I wrong for reacting to these people? No. I
0: thought it was. I thought
1: it was hilarious. Wait,
0: and then wrong they're for like down on the see you in Austin. That should have been. That should have been. Yeah. I'll see you around. Not. No, I'm just saying we live in the same town. That's not what you were saying. Why'd you change my change? I'm not gonna
1: gonna incriminate myself. You can't incriminate yourself, man. I've learned enough. (laughs) No paper trail. (laughs) Yeah, you can't incriminate yourself. And then some guy was like, yeah, you, you're like a, just own it. You're a get rich quick type of guy. And I said, uh, name one example of like, could it be this example where I replied to someone and said, the best way to make money is to work 40 hours a week on a company that you start for 15 years. Is that a good example of my get rich quick like Advice. mentality? Like, yeah. Show me an example. And he's like, I guess, I guess you can't show me an example. Or he said, I no, can't show you an no, example. Goes, I don't the
0: podcast my first million.
1: Yeah. I'm like, what does that have to do with getting rich quick? And he goes, well, I just, I can't, I can't fine example. So I just said, thanks for the apology, bitch. Like that, that just, that's good enough for me. That's all I need. I'm just a petty son of a guy. You know what I mean? I'm just petty sometimes, but, uh, whatever. It's all good. Should I not react to this stuff? Is this below me? No, no, it's good. It's good. I enjoy it. I'm here for it. Should you? No, of course
0: not. But like, do I want you to? Yeah, I do. Do you ever react to it? There's been a few situations where I've argued with people, but, you know, yeah, you know, it doesn't really get you anywhere. And also there's been some, there's been many, like, I've sent you some of the vicious tweets that never sent Or I just say, look, this is a screenshot and send it to Sam. You don't push send on this one because, you know, it's the wrong type of lighting someone up, right? You're not trying to do that right now. Don't don't do that. But, you know, Taylor Lorenz did get it. She did get it. She was called the Jake Paul of journalism. And like, you know,
1: (laughs) she never really recovered from that. I don't think so. At this point, I I don't even want to make fun of her anymore. Like, it's like making fun of Kanye. It's like, you know, you're working through some stuff. We got to. I don't want to. Maybe she. I don't know. Like she
0: blocked her. me. I I haven't paid attention. Is she working through some stuff? Is that what's happening?
1: It appears that way. Like there was like videos of her crying about how she's like getting so much hatred on the internet, and I'm like, oof, that that could wear you down. I don't wanna. I don't wanna even. I don't wanna pile on. You yeah, know, some, yeah, it's, it'd be like, it's like making fun of Kanye. It's like you know that's. You, you don't make fun. You don't call someone an idiot when they're actually an idiot. You know what I mean? <laughs>
0: that's true. One of the golden rules of
1: my personality. <laughs> yeah. You don't make fun of, you don't call a crazy person crazy. You know what I mean? You just don't do that. Uh, so anyway, it, it looks like she's working through some stuff. So that's why I same there's a few other people like that who you and I know of that, I'm like, let's cross the threshold where we can't mock them anymore.
0: Right, right. All right, well, get well soon, Taylor and Kanye and anybody else out there who's who's <laughs> genuinely going through stuff and it's not yeah. all in good fun anymore. All right, fair enough. That's the pop.
1: I feel like
0: I can rule the world. I know I could be what I want to. I put my all in it like no days off. On a road, let's travel, never looking back.